In today's episode, we are answering a variety of questions regarding a variety of subjects. Some of these are fun and lighthearted. Some of them are pretty serious with some serious implications. But that said, we're enjoying ourselves while doing it. And I hope that you folks enjoy hearing our responses and that you get to learn a little bit more about Katie and I, about our marriage and about how we think about life and what our goals are moving forward with our family and with our marriage and with our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Katie and I are so grateful that you folks have participated with us in this podcast. It feels like it's more than just Katie and I talking to microphones. We really feel like we've got a community here that we get to share our life with and do life with. And so much of that is because many of you have taken the time and energy to leave a rating or a review on iTunes. And that means so much to Katie and I. And so thank you for doing that. And if you're new here and you enjoy this podcast, I would just highly encourage you to leave a rating or a, re- a review. Let us know what you think. If you enjoy it, we, we would love that. And if you do enjoy this podcast, please share it maybe on one of your social media platforms. Um, Katie's very active on Instagram. I am not, but Katie always tells me when people share our podcast and it means so much to me. Anyways, we're going to get this episode started and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with three young children under the age of three, we're eager to see what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. How's it going? Well, you, you really can't say anything that I'll hear, unfortunately. <laughs> but you can come tell me on Instagram. All right, Elisha, over over to you. <laughs> over to I me. Have. I'll take it. <laughs> Great. Well, <laughs> today's episode is fun. Katie and I, every so often on this podcast, do a Q&A. And I think this might be our maybe our third Q&A that we've done, or maybe our fourth Q&A that we've done since starting the podcast. And every time Katie announces that we're doing a Q&A on, on Instagram. That's where she kind of asks or gives people the opportunity, gives you all the opportunity to ask questions to, Katie, to, to us is on Instagram. I'm always pleasantly surprised with the volume of questions that we get and then also the diversity of questions that we get. Yeah. And it's funny because there's a few like of the most random questions this time that so many people asked. Like, yes. Like one of them is, are we getting a pet? It's yeah. like so funny. Like of all the questions people have asked, we've never gotten that question before on a Q&A. And this time multiple people want to know. They're like, you have your three kids. When is the pet coming into the picture? Yeah. Maybe it's because we're getting a house actually. You're right. We I are buying a house. Yeah. We announced this week on YouTube that we're buying a house. And I feel like that might actually have triggered the pet question nice it's just all the ingredients they're falling into place yeah exactly that's like, like the order of the american the dream american is, that, family. is that how it works oh, you man. have your kids you get your house you get your goldfish yeah uh what are we are we gonna get a pet as as far as i know no you guys when elisha and i were dating he 
literally made me sell my guinea pig. He said if I did not sell my guinea pig, he would not hold my hand. Okay. <laughs> That's how much he likes animals. So Yeah, I don't have anything against animals. And I think that at some point in our future, we will own animals. Really? I do. Yeah, I think that because we, we have aspirations to have property and to live yeah, you're right. more you of a rural. You want like beef cows? I and do. what yeah. other animals do you want? Uh, beef cows for sure because hello, beef. So that's so nice. he likes to kill his animals. Well, no, that's not <laughs> Katie. There's some people out there that could be greatly offended by thinking that yeah, I don't no, like animals. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Sorry. No, he, I can... he treats animals well and everything. He just doesn't like them. He doesn't like the whole pet factor. Yeah, I'm not like a snuggle up with a puppy dog or a cat guy. He's the classic like doesn't like the dog guy and anytime we go over to someone's house the dog loves him right so i do think that we'll even have pets though in the near future because we do want to have some property and i think that having dogs and, and cats like are really great when you have a lot of property yeah basically we want farm animals we don't necessarily want um like indoor pets but i don't know then i go to the pet store and i like want to get my kids pets so i guess we'll just see how it goes right now kids are are plenty to um care for okay do you should we just dive in i mean yeah kind of dove in. well no i know you did you jumped right into that we didn't have much time for like announcements and updates in our announcements. life because announcements. you did drop i mean to me that's kind of a big deal that we're buying a house and we haven't told the people on our podcast that we're buying a house and so i know i didn't realize that till we just said it actually a lot of these questions could probably be full episodes yeah so we're just gonna like popcorn through them even like the house thing could yeah. be like a bigger deal yeah and just kind of our mindset around that because it was actually i know many people buy homes but it was a it was more than just like a financial commitment to katie and i it was a like a mental and emotional commitment to this area Mm -hmm. that that was like we had to go through a pretty i don't know pretty in-depth process to come to the point to be okay with and be not just okay to be excited to to buy a buy a home here where we're currently living um, so I'm sure we could talk about that more in depth someday. Uh, and also just, you know, like I said, we've, we, in the intro, we've got a plethora of questions. We received so many questions and we're not going to be able to address all of them, only a small portion of them. And also many of the questions that we are not going to address, uh, we've, we've probably have discussed that topic in previous episodes and the ones that we know for sure we've addressed in previous episodes, we're going to go ahead and highlight those and refer you back to the episode in which we talked about that topic. And so if you truly care about any of these uh, questions that you asked that we're going to refer you to, be ready to write down the episode that we're going to take you, that we're going to send you to. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Because we don't just want to like keep rehashing some of the same things where it's like, well, we've, we've said that. Okay, so, okay, this is funny. Does Elisha firmly believe in gender roles? Like drinking smoothies is something to be ashamed of. I think we'll we'll start out with this one because this was in our vlog where we were showing you guys the house and Elisha got a smoothie from a coffee shop and he was like embarrassed for me to show you guys on YouTube. So, so what are your thoughts? I, I was joking. That was all a joke. <laughs> it was, I was like playing up the macho no, man. Yeah. He does not think uh, that guys shouldn't drink smoothies. I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I think guys can drink whatever the heck they want to drink. I th- we've, I've worked in a coffee shop for far too many years of my life. <laughs> And you can't help but start stereotyping people based off of the drink that they order. Yes. And it's really fun, actually, when somebody comes in and totally breaks the mold of the stereotype that you had placed on that drink. Yeah, like Elisha gets like, let me see, like a two-shot Americano. 
Is that what you call Sometimes, it? I usually just get black coffee. Yeah. But usually you say two shots. Yeah, I'll get just like a, like a double eight-ounce Americano. Yeah, double eight-ounce Americano. There you go. Yeah. Um, I clearly don't drink coffee. I always point to which cup I want because I can't remember the ounces. <laughs> People say, what size? I'm like, that one. <laughs> yeah, so if you're a guy and you drink smoothies, I totally respect that. Well, I should drink some every morning anyways. Just Smo- you drink smoothies? a smoothie every morning. Oh, I sure, like a, like a breakfast protein smoothie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Okay, are there any downsides to being one of many children in a big family? I think this is a great question. Yes. We think it's such a great question that we actually did a whole episode on it. <laughs> like a giant one on the pros and cons of being in a big family. It's episode four. Wow. So it was at the very beginning yes. of last year in the very beginning of the podcast. So yeah. uh, you could check that out. Yeah, I think that's a really, yeah, exactly. You can hear more about our experiences in big families. How did your parents guide you through sex ed. I worry our culture is introducing it too early. You know, this one came in at an interesting time because Elisha and I have been talking a lot about this. This is on our minds because Leon's three, but as far as like culture is concerned, kids know stuff so soon before I think they can even comprehend I don't know. Yeah, much. I, I think this <laughs> is a, they can comprehend much. This is a really uh, I cannot speak from a place of confidence in this topic at all. Yeah, it kind of breaks our hearts honestly to see super young kids dealing with things that just affect their lives on such a huge scale mm-hmm. and they're treated so lightly because mm. they just aren't in a place to understand the impact that their decisions in this area are going to have on the rest of their life and the rest of their relationships. Yeah. And so I think it's a really tough place to be in because you don't want to be too late. Like you want to right. be the ones to educate your kids. You don't want them to find out from some other kid or something else and have your child not know what to do in a situation. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you don't want to throw a ton of stuff at them that they can't handle. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's it's a a really fine line. We're talking about a lot right now. Yes. Cause I think that my parents, I, I, I'm so grateful for with how I, I was raised and my parents, I just respect so much and I love them so much, but I do think, and I've told my dad this, I think he was really late in, in educating me on on sex and having those conversations with me like and the how reason old were you i don't know how old i was kind of like a yeah i don't know how old i was but all i know is that i was learning things much that i wish i would have learned from my father i had learned from other kids on mm-hmm. the basketball team um or just being around other kids you know they can be kids that are part of your christian community that yeah. just know more than or you just figured some stuff out yourself too yeah Yep. Yeah. And so I think my parents, I really admire that they didn't want to give me more information than what I was ready to handle and to carry and, and to be aware of. But at the same time, I wish I would have learned some some things from my parents and from their perspective. And I wouldn't have been as kind of scared or shocked um, or even intrigued, you know, in an, in an unhealthy way. Had my parents had, I think, more of the given me context for those for those things that I learned and I want to do that with our children I want to not give them too much information that scares them that they don't need to know but I don't want to be too late either and have them learn uh things that I want to be the one that's able to teach them yeah I mean it's crazy even thinking back to like I'm only 25 and I had like a conversation my first big conversation with my parents where they sat me down like had a sex talk I guess I was 12 
So that's like really old compared to probably what I would even share with my kids now. But my, my parents were the first ones to tell me everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting even looking back because we didn't have internet at all in our home growing mm-hmm. up and none of my friends had internet. Hmm. So it's like there weren't even smartphones, you know, 12 yep. years ago. Yep. And so I think like Leon will be subjected to knowing about certain stuff just through different kids mm-hmm. way younger than yeah. I was because all my friends were cur- also homeschooled um, from like Christian families. My parents were like really intense on who we spent time with. Right. Like they were very careful in that regard. And like, we never did things like sleepovers mm-hmm. at someone else's house. So I don't know. They were just always there. I felt like when we were younger and I didn't really run into anything. Yeah until my parents told me at 12, which is kind of unreal Yeah. when I hear about other people's um, mm-hmm. experiences. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's like you want to be a guard dog with your kids, but then you can't help certain things either. Like you can't be everywhere and everything. I think there's a book. I will link it in the show notes. Actually, it's a book my parents read and they said that's kind of what they took us through. It's like what your child should know about sex from zero to 12 or something. Hmm. Um, so that might be a helpful resource for someone. Yeah. We haven't read it yet and we'll see. But yeah. my parents kind of told me stuff when I turned 12. And for me as a girl, I think I was, that was plenty Yeah, early for me. That makes sense. And I think from my perspective now is that I'm not going to, maybe at a very young age, you're able to really control what they're exposed to and what they learn and what they read about. Uh, but as time goes on, you're not going to have control of that. There's going to come a point yeah, where they no. learn things that you aren't aware of, or maybe you didn't want them to learn. And so what I hope to cultivate within my own children is this openness and this open dialogue so that when they or when or if they do learn something that's new to them, that I'm the guy they come to to say like, dad, you know, this kid said this, what does that mean? You know, instead of going to Google, you know, or instead of asking the friend for more information that they come to me and that they've got that comfort, comfortability and that they're not embarrassed. Uh, Cause I mean, that's just, it's so your instinct is to be embarrassed, you know, like when you're going to your parents with those types of things. And I, and I want to have as much open dialogue with my children as, as possible. Okay. You know, funny story actually is I was, I was, this is how sheltered I was. Like, I kind of feel like my parents did a really good job that I knew none of this stuff, but they probably should have told me a little bit earlier. I was 18 and I was taking a college speaking class and I was doing it online. So I like go in this room and I'm going to record my speech in a tape recorder and the, what is it? The proctor or whatever, like the lady that sits in and makes sure you aren't cheating. Mm -hmm. She gave me like, my speech topic Mm -hmm. and it was on condoms Mm -hmm. like when they should be passed out in schools or whatever and i was just like this is so embarrassing i was like you know what this is so awkward i was talking to the proctor i was like i think i know what this is by the context of what i'm reading here as far as the speech prompt goes but i actually am not really aware of what a condom exactly is Mm -hmm. and she was like mortified like i just destroyed this innocent girl (laughs) (laughs) she was like oh my word i'll get you a new topic and i went home and i was like mommy why the heck don't i know what this is yeah your mom was like we had 11 kids we don't know (laughs) what they are either oh my word okay so moving on to the next question uh do you attend a church or do you have a home church yeah we go to a we go to a great church here i mean both both a home church and like a i guess more like traditional 
institutional type church. They're both churches, I guess. Uh, but we go to, I think, probably a more common church when you say we Katie. go to a church with like multiple services, lots yeah. of people. It's, they've got like a building that they meet in. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys have been listening for a while, you know, we were part of an incredible home church in Bend. Um, but home churches do kind of fly under the radar. You have to know someone to know someone. Yeah. It's like you can't just look them up online most often. So we did find an incredible church, though, with great teaching. Yeah. And we're really, really thankful for it. Yeah, we're really grateful. Okay, so how do you handle misunderstandings in the moments when things are tense? Yeah. Oh, and you know what? We had another one on this. How do you guys resolve fights and arguing and deal with stress? Hmm. And we're just going to point you to an episode, episode 28 here. We've kind of talked about all our conflict resolution techniques. And as of now, we have no new ones to share with you. Well, we we were taught a, a tool by Katie's parents who learned it from a couple called um, the Hogan's, I think. Chris, yeah, Chris I think Hogan. Yeah, right. Chris Hogan. Um, and it's called the courageous conversation or courageous conversations, I think is what it's called. And it's just kind of a formula of questions that you ask each other when you come to those points in a conversation or in a heated argument or a debate where you're not making any progress and you're thinking, okay, I'm emotionally charged. You're emotionally charged. We're not hearing each other accurately here. Let's use let's go. Let's have a courageous conversation. Yeah. And so Katie and I use that tool and I think we'll probably continue to, to use it for our whole life because and, we're emotional people. Yeah, I think in episode 28, we broke it completely down. If not, you can Google it. But sometimes we'll just apply parts of it. Yes. Like most often in daily life, we do not sit down and go through the entire like eight questions. We literally will just like use one of the questions and it kind of gets us on the right track. Yes. So we do that. And also taking some space. It's not a bad idea to have some space in the moment and just mm. cool off mm -hmm. i think yes i that's something i had to learn oh because i just wanted yes. to go all guns a blazing right into the heat of battle yeah and sometimes i still do that but i think elisha's really helped me in yeah we've talked about this first. we've talked about this part of our personalities many times before so it might be redundant to some of you but katie's natural inclination is to really just let it all out to, to speak your emotions in the moment. Yeah. And I'm really guilty of suppressing anything I'm feeling or thinking mm -hmm. and like closing up. And so over the you know, four years of our marriage, we've tried to, you know, I guess tame both of those natural bents. Mm -hmm. And cause I, I need to be able to communicate even when I don't want to. And I think Katie's learned to have some uh, self-control regarding how you communicate when you are emotional so that it doesn't like scare me away well and just like on the most extreme side i said some stuff early on in our marriage that i still really regret saying and you realize like in your marriage once you say something if it's in the heat of the moment or whatever i think i was used to saying things like to my siblings or whatever we're just like all mad and then you move on but when it's coming from your spouse, it can just leave a wound that lasts a long time hmm. or a scar that like easily reopens. Hmm. So well, I don't know. I just want to get better at not saying things that I kick myself for literally years mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been a motivator and trying to at least not say something I regret. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. What's the biggest thing teenagers should know when they start a dating relationship? I asked, I, I said that funny because I asked Elisha this a few minutes before we started. And what did you say? 
like I said, don't do it. Or <laughs> don't, don't do date. it. <laughs> well, to be fair, though, you were a teenager when we started dating the first time. Yeah. And how did that go? <laughs> <laughs> it did not. Yeah, oh it did goodness. not go. And then someone else said, what rules will you have for your kids when they start dating? So we'll just kind of like sure. tell you our thoughts on that, I guess. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, as a general principle, we view dating as being uh, the, you start to date with the goal being to get married. Yeah, so whatever age or stage that is, neither Elisha nor I were raised with recreational dating. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's a thing when you're involving your heart and your future mm-hmm. and potentially your body mm-hmm. or all those things with someone else. It's just unhealthy, I think, to start that when you have no end result. Like, like you picture it like everything's moving forward in a relationship, right? So your emotions are getting closer together. Your hearts are getting closer together. Maybe physically you're getting closer together. And then like if that has nowhere to go. Yeah. Like like you're setting either your kids up for heartbreak yeah. or having something. Yeah. Sin, yeah, basically. Or sin yeah. or something. Yeah. But like like that, I think the whole dating experience, the whole concept behind it is to get to know someone to spend the rest of your life with them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's teenagers. My mom was really big on like, yeah, we had crushes. Yes. I knew like guys would like me. I would like them, but we never had exclusive relationships mm-hmm. before we were potentially ready to start considering marriage, mm-hmm. I guess, because we could have friends, but they're just really, it's, it's only a negative side. Yeah. If you aren't ready to get married. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that my parents did a pretty good job because I had crushes, you know, from as long as I can remember. Um, mostly just Katie. All my crushes were on Katie. I was say, see, that's kind of unfortunate because I'm five years younger. Katie just gave me the death glare when I made that statement. <laughs> I was like, wow. I had multiple crushes at different times on the same girl. And that's yeah, Katie. whatever. Well, no. Stop. But when I would have... He just likes to bring that... He brings up stuff just to make me mad sometimes. No, I did not bring that up to make you mad. Oh, I know you didn't. Okay. I'm just saying sometimes you do. I know you had other crushes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. I did too. <laughs> we can both play this yeah. game. <laughs> uh, but when I would have a crush or I'd bring it up to my parents or they would just... They could tell that I had a crush on somebody. They didn't make too big of a deal out of it. Like they didn't make me feel dumb for having a crush. No. Oh, on somebody natural. it's like totally natural but they would also just encourage a friendship they'd be like oh yeah they that they like she does seem like a great girl like yeah you should you know when we're together as families you guys should hang out and that's totally fun but they wouldn't ever encourage like dating or like oh well maybe you Basically, should hold her hand we or, didn't you know. do like exclusive like one-on-one time mm-hmm. or yeah we didn't foster a romantic relationship yeah and i think basically from our perspective we want to do that with our kids yeah. it's like when they're ready to when they're ready to start considering marriage mm-hmm. then i think this is such a tricky thing as far as like boundaries or mm-hmm. requirements and stuff like that because if you guys have listened to our love story it was it was new for my parents mm-hmm. to try to figure that out and and i don't really know i think what i i think this is what i learned from elisha and i is you can't really make rules for your adult children if they are adults and are progressing towards a marriage relationship or getting to know each other, if they're in that phase, they need to make their own decisions because they're going to live with their own decisions. And at that point, it can't be like, well, I'm doing this for my parents because at least in Elisha's in my position, we broke all those rules Mm -hmm. at that stage Mm -hmm. because the goal needed to be, oh no, we need to honor the Lord. We need to honor each other. But we didn't really have that mindset. It was just kind of like, okay, these are my parents' rules. Can we get away with stuff? Can we not? Mm-hmm. And and that wasn't my parents' fault 
that was just that was our fault. That yeah. was our fault, kind yeah, of honestly. Yeah. But you have to listen to our love story to kind of understand because we had a unique dating experience. Mm-hmm. But I think the other thing is I would just really encourage my kids when it comes to physical boundaries is as soon as you start a physical relationship, it starts a clock. I heard someone explain at that time, and I just think it's so true. Like you consistently want more, mm-hmm. and it's like time it's kind of a time bomb it's a ticking time bomb it needs to go somewhere Mm -hmm. and so the later you start that in your relationship the easier it's going to be to remain pure before marriage yes the earlier you start that it's like at least if you're like two passionate individuals that's all i know for elisha and i right is we had a two and a half month engagement we dated for four months and it was really hard yeah yeah um, to stay physically pure yeah yeah, and I think that that's kind of how our parents, I, I know my parents presented it that way to me. And that is, you know, it's not a sin, you know, to, or at least they, they viewed it this way. You know, it's not a sin to, to hold her hand or to snuggle or to cuddle or maybe even to kiss. But once you start any of those things, you just want the next thing that much, that much more. And I think something I'd encourage my kids in too is like, you always think, oh, if I just go like one step further, I'll feel satisfied. Mm-hmm. And you don't feel satisfied yeah. sexually outside of marriage. Yes. You just don't. That's right. Yeah. And within marriage, you do. And yep. so you have to almost bring back that like unsatisfaction or like that dissatisfaction. Why am I saying satisfaction? I don't, I don't know, even I like think it. that's a word. Let's make it up. Um, but you have to kind of infuse that back into your marriage. Um, but you just aren't satisfied outside of it. So I don't know. I think I would more want to just encourage our kids and not set up boundaries or rules for them. I think one rule I would say if they're still living in my home is don't go into houses alone or rooms alone. Yeah. It's just easier. That's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. Future pacing me picturing Leon and Lucy like holy guacamole. Yeah. (laughs) That's stressful. Uh, the Lord knows. And that's the thing. I really hope that the Lord has our kids' hearts at that stage and they want what he has. And mm-hmm. I hope that we have their hearts and yes. we have open communication with yes. them. Yes. Me too. Okie dokie. Let's do this one too, just because it's kind of in that same vein. Okay. How do you keep your thought life pure and focused on your spouse in marriage? Yeah. I mean, I think that that question probably could be directed, I'm assuming, more towards men. Uh, I know that. Well, it depends. It sure. depends on the woman. Sure. Well, we can it both really answer it from does. our perspective. We can then. both answer yeah. it because I think that um, in past, maybe that would be, I don't know. There's just stereotypes out there. Yes. So I think we should just speak for ourselves. Yeah. In this. I mean, the fact is that I find my, I find Katie beautiful and I just find her gorgeous and sexy and beautiful and attractive and all those things. And so that's nice. It's a total, total benefit to me because <laughs> I live with <laughs> her nice. and, uh, and she's the one I get to enjoy that God, that God's given me the blessing to enjoy in the context of marriage. But that doesn't mean that sin doesn't stopped existing, you know, in yeah. the sinful desire stopped existing in my brain or, or in my body. And I still have this physical body that's, that's capable of, yeah, it's got an appetite for sin. And, and so, I say that to say, yes, I'm in, you know, I'm fully capable of lusting after other women, you know, and having inappropriate thoughts and then looking at women in the wrong way. And I think that Katie's well aware of that fact. Mm -hmm. And that's probably an ongoing conversation that husbands and wives, you know, always need to be having. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that men, that women don't, it's probably hard for you to understand because we're so, we're wired so differently. 
you know, I think most women, I can say most, I don't think this is every woman, but most women aren't as visually stimulated in the same way Mm -hmm. that a guy is. Yes. Um, I think we talk a lot in culture about, oh, men objectifying women being a bad thing, but we rarely talk about women objectifying men, typically because I don't think that happens as often, Mm -hmm. just because of the way our genetic makeup is. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I'm not saying that this does not happen, Mm -hmm. because it does. Mm -hmm. And so at least for me, I am not attracted to other men sexually. Mm That's just like, it's not hard for me to really focus in on Elisha. Mm-hmm. And I think too, when you are being so emotionally filled at home, like as a woman, you don't crave that emotional connection either mm-hmm. outside of your marriage. Mm-hmm. I think something that's really big too is when you focus on putting in, like the grass grows where you water it. And like, if you're so mm-hmm. consumed with how do I how am I romantic with my spouse? Mm-hmm. How do I make him love me? How do I, you know, not he, if he loves you with unconditional, like Elisha loves yeah, me unconditionally, yeah. but how do I, you know, make it fun for him to right. love me? Right. How do I, you know, when you're, I'm thinking about my husband and how to improve that relationship, it's, it makes that relationship for one very fun and very fulfilling mm-hmm. and very rewarding. And you don't want to look somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And you also just don't have the time or the thought life to just wander off and kind of um, fantasize. I think women probably fantasize or romanticize maybe more other men. And mm-hmm. I do think it's really important, at least for me and something that my mom cautioned me in is not to read romantic fiction as a woman mm-hmm. or to watch uh, fantasy shows like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette because... Yeah, reality TV shows. Yeah, yeah. reality TV shows or soap operas that are catering to that romanticization and like over-sexualization mm-hmm. of relationships that don't have the lasting meaning that marriage mm-hmm. does. So at least from a, like a female perspective, I think that's really important. But... Yeah. yeah I mean, going back to no, you that's and good. just like... Yeah, I mean, in the context Purity. of marriage and pure thoughts and yeah, keeping your eyes pure and your, yeah, just your body pure and, and I guess, reserved only for your wife, uh, it, it's funny because to me, the principles don't change from before marriage and after marriage in the sense that sin mm-hmm. is sin. Yes. And there's, I think you can easily be confused and thinking that, oh, well, my sexual sin will go away when I'm sexually satisfied in marriage. Well, sin is never satisfied. Mm-hmm. So your sexual sin was not satisfied before marriage. And so therefore your sexual sin is not going to be satisfied after marriage because it's not, it's sin. Sin's never satisfied. And so that doesn't change. And so you, what you want is satisfaction in what the Lord has for you. And you want to lean in more and more and more to God's plan for marriage and for sex. And the more, like you said, Katie, you explore that and you endeavor to get better at that and be creative and to learn your spouse. I really do think that, you know, the things of this world grow strangely dim and it's not that they disappear and that you're, you know, immune to sin or temptation, but it does make the glory of God and his glorious, I guess, plan for marriage and the beauty for marriage become so much more grand and you experience that satisfaction. Mm -hmm. It makes that sin sin seem so much more, well, dirty and like Mm -hmm. a ripoff. And, and something else just in addition to that is I do think that we need to be prayerful and asking God to give us a hatred for sin. Our Mm -hmm. culture is, it can desensitize 
our hatred of sin. Mm-hmm. You know, our culture nonstop laughs at adultery. It laughs at fornication. It laughs at, you know, men checking out girls and objectifying them. That yep, is like- that is so accepted and expected in our culture. And so as Christians... We're fresh off literally like last night we had to turn off a movie. Yeah. Because the whole thing was just like... It was just totally making a mockery. inappropriate and just making a mock yes. at relationship yes. the way that God... Yeah ordained it yeah yeah and so we have to be the gatekeeper of our own mind and the Mm -hmm. content and the information that we allow into it because Mm -hmm. nothing in this culture is going to build up our marriage in a god-honoring way nothing Mm -hmm. like i just don't think that there's anything it's the the satan is the prince of this air and he's working in media and he's working in literature and he's working in music to taint our brain and to confuse us and to think that we're missing out on something or to think that it's totally normal to uh, to be married and to check out other girls or to think that it's mm-hmm. totally normal to you know have an extramarital affair. That's mm-hmm. just bogus stuff. That is not, it might be common, but it's not normal. Mm-hmm. Normal marriage is one man and one woman, the way God created it to be, being satisfied within their marriage. And the word normal sounds so boring, but I think that the way God intended normal to be oh, in marriage is extraordinary. Like, yeah. Blow your mind. Yes. A hundred percent. And I think we miss out on that when we don't live into it. Yes. What can I, okay. What can my husband and I expect for our first Christian marriage retreat by family life today? Oh, nice. Yeah. Like a weekend to remember. Yeah. Probably. probably. That is. I, we went to one. Yeah. That was, that was great. I think it was just really good. Yeah. I think you will be encouraged. And I think anytime you are taking the time to go kind of flesh out different things in your marriage, it'll bring up conversational points. Mm-hmm. And like, I think something big for Elisha and I, whenever we go into any kind of conference or event is telling ourselves we are going to learn something here yeah. and not going into it thinking, oh, I know all this stuff, but yes. it'll be a good reminder or it'll yes. be a good refresher. Like go in. With the heart of like... Yeah, looking for a nugget. I'm going to take something away that's going to encourage my marriage. Yes, I do think mindset going in is so crucial to what you get out of it. Um, So yeah, I would just say that. Have Have a learner's mindset. Okay, this one's on hospitality. And it says, how do you practice this now? And also, how did your parents do it growing up? And we actually did a whole episode on this. It was all about like friendship and making community. That's podcast episode 35. 35. So check it out. Okay. How, how are we doing on I time? think we should do one more. One more? Yes. Okay. Well, I do want to... Let's do two more. Okay. Two more. Let's do... Okay. Let's just let's just do these real quick. Okay. okay. Have either of you been ready for another baby before the other was ready? I think so. Would you... I, I'd say yes. I think you, right? I think so. Yeah. I think I've... Well, okay. So just a little context here. We got pregnant three months after having our first baby. Then we got three months pregnant three months after having our second baby and had a miscarriage and yeah. then two months later we got pregnant with our third baby yeah so this has been almost nine months well so i think this has probably been the time when you've been do you yeah. think yeah i think i mean it didn't leave you very much time otherwise <laughs> yeah yeah no <laughs> you're right about that i like just got out of like grandma diapers and we were pregnant again <laughs> too much information for the podcast graphic (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i think that i mean i we're really united right now i think in yes our perspective and um we just view children as being such a blessing from the lord and uh, we'd love to have more children and we're at a place now 
where we I think we'd love to get pregnant. But wouldn't you, would you say that you've been ready before I have the second time? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited right now about yeah. the possibility of getting pregnant. How to balance when one spouse needs quality time and the other more personal space? That's a good question for you and I because that's kind of... My love language is quality time and Elisha needs personal space. Yeah. It's not my love language. My love language is not personal space, but I don't think... (laughs) That's a hard person to love. Yeah. (laughs) I just need to sit over here in my own bubble. Do not come too close. Yeah. So I think that that's a a constant kind of game that Katie and I are learning to play with each other. And that is how to fill the other person's tank. Um, Especially when you come to those inevitable seasons in life where you both feel like your tanks are drained. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, we will have those days occasionally where it's like, wow... You feel like you're on empty. It's like, dang, I feel like I'm on empty. Oh, man, that is such a That's hard a place, bad place to be. You want to avoid getting there. So you want to be more proactive so that you don't get there. But it still happens. And uh, I think you, you're really creative at giving me space. And I hope I learn and continuing to learn how to give you quality time and to, to give you my ears and all that stuff. Elisha's really good at quality time. And I think communication is huge in this. Because regardless of how good your spouse gets at knowing you, sometimes you might have that need and it's like an off time for you. Like I think Elisha anticipates like, okay, every few days or whatever, she's going to need this quality time. And sometimes it's just random. I might be having a rough week or whatever, and I just need that quality time. And so telling him that, or, you know, we'll get in bed and he'll open up a book to read and me being like, hey, I really want to talk right now. Could you close your book? And for him too... I can't always anticipate when he wants alone time. And so him telling me when he wants it is really important. I'm looking at him right now because I feel like he wants alone time, but he won't admit that he does. So so I just need him to tell me because I don't want to force him into having alone time if he doesn't want it. I'm not admitting to that right now on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, anyway, so I just think, Sometimes you can tell your spouse how to love you and they'll appreciate you for it. If you do it in a very kind, gracious way, Mm -hmm. instead of being like, why don't you ever give me time by myself? Or why don't you ever, you know, give me quality time? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, no matter what you say, whenever you say it, like, (laughs) just doesn't serve the purpose you want it to. (laughs) It's so true. And unfortunately, it still happens sometimes. Blast. There were more questions that I'd circled that I wanted to get to, but... Elisha just gave me the time to wrap this thing up. Yeah. Yeah, I need some alone time. So yeah, there you go. There you go. It came (laughs) out. It came (laughs) out. I'm joking. Uh, Folks, thank you so (laughs) much. Thank you so much for listening to this Um, podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. We just love talking to you guys. And also, thank you all so much for sending in such great questions. Like Katie said, I wish we could get to all the questions, uh, but it it just would have been impossible. So thank you for taking the time to write the questions. That was really fun and engaging. And hopefully we'll be able to address more of the questions in future episodes. Yeah. I mean, we might make some of them into a future Q&A, but I think Mm -hmm. some of these we also want to take and just do a full episode on them. Yes, exactly. So you might get like a highlighted... Yeah, some of the best questions actually we we set aside to do whole episodes on. So if you felt like you asked a great question and we didn't cover it, well, maybe it's because it was such a great question. We're going to do a whole episode on it. Yeah, in the definitely don't take it personally because yeah. some I just didn't want to talk about tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's not your fault. <laughs> well, thanks again for listening. And we're excited to talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.